so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. We've got to be able to do the Word of God, not just speak the truth. That we must unapologetically testify that God values all life, from the unborn to the disabled to the dying. If God values it, we value it. The value of human life isn't just an issue for Congress or activists or ethics professors. It's an issue for every single Christian and local church. The churches where the unborn are prayed over, where the widows are visited, where the orphan is adopted, and where the disabled and the unwanted are made heirs with the Lord of the universe. If fear is keeping you from loving people who are different from you, then fear is keeping you from God. The church must speak a prophetic gospel word to our culture of death. The cause of life is not a liberal versus conservative issue. It's a kingdom issue, and children of the king must stand up in defense of all of human life. Will you join us as we do just that this coming January? Come, march with us as we stand up for life in Washington, D.C., and stay for our 2018 Evangelicals for Life conference with Focus on the Family afterward. Learn more at evangelicals.life. And use the promo code ERLC Podcast to save 20% on registration. These children are not burdens. These children bear the image of God and are blessings. All of us have made mistakes and chosen sin in a moment, only to find ourselves in a situation that will transform our entire lives. For many young men and women, this means an unplanned pregnancy. At Evangelicals for Life, Amy Ford, who started a ministry for single and unwed mothers, shared her testimony about God's work in the midst of an unplanned pregnancy when she was 19. We hope you're encouraged by her message. an unplanned pregnancy when I was 19 and I felt completely alone. I felt like there was no one there to help me. I was too scared to tell my parents. I knew that they were going to disown me or I thought that they were going to disown me, that they um, would never speak to me again. It was just lies of the enemy that comes when you have an unplanned pregnancy and tells you that you cannot do this. And so I convinced myself that I couldn't. And so I went to an abortion clinic and I scheduled an appointment, even though in the depths of my heart, I knew it was wrong. I still did it. I went robot mode and I went and I actually ended up hyperventilating and passing out in the abortion room. And when I came to, there were nurses fanning me. They were trying to give me a drink of water. They 
I really feel like I just kind of had suppressed all those feelings and went in robot mode, and then it sort of just erupted in the abortion room. And I felt like I had an angel of a nurse that was there because she said, you're too emotionally distraught to make this decision today. You can come back another day, but today you're not getting an abortion. So I walked back out to the waiting room, and I told the father of the baby we're still pregnant, and he could see my face was totally swollen, and I had been crying so hard. And we just decided that we would tell our parents, and we'll just see what happens. And, of course, the lies that the enemy said, it wasn't true. I mean, my parents were definitely disappointed, but they didn't disown us and and all of that. Um, And so my husband... Um, who I, I ended up marrying, my baby daddy, and now we have four kids. And I had a son, and he's awesome. Yes, he's so sweet. He's 18 now, and he actually has started student-led ministries in his hometown. He's going to go to ORU next year, wants to be a pastor. Like, this kid that was almost not here is already leading so many kids to the Lord in his life. Like, there's an anointing on him. It's amazing. But... Going back to that season, it was one of the most loneliest times in my life. And even though I ended up getting married. And so the man that had led Ryan to the Lord, my husband, he's like our mentor. We went to him and said, will you marry us? And he said, I'm sorry, I can't bless this marriage because you've sinned. So I will not marry you. And it was like the shame cloud that just hung over me. Like, we can't even get married right. Like, we are such horrible people. We have screwed up for life. And we ended up finding someone else that would marry us, and that part worked out. But it was, we would try to go to church, and it's like, no one knows to say. You don't know to say congratulations or I'm sorry, so you just don't say anything. And it's like, you feel alone in a crowded room of people. And so we just stopped going. But one thing that's really cool is a couple years later, the man that wouldn't marry us, he called my husband out of the blue, and he said, will you forgive me? He said, I felt like it was my worst mistake in pastoring history that I've ever done, and will you forgive me? And of course, my husband said yes. And to this day, he he speaks into Ryan's life. He's still a mentor. And what's even cooler is just a couple years ago, he is a pastor in Austin now. He had me come preach at his church on Mother's Day, and he was very open with the church, like what had happened, and... He had said that he had a religious spirit, a Pharisee heart, and it was just, um, he had regrets, but then he knew that this ministry now has come from the season that I went through. Um, So he told everyone everything. And then, after I preached, and I felt like everyone was very responsive, he he asked me to come up front in front of the whole congregation when I was done, and he asked my son to come up there, and he was 16 at the time. And he said, Amy, will you forgive me? I know I asked your husband years ago, but I don't know that I've ever asked you. Will you forgive me for what I did? And of course, I'm like, that was 16 years ago. Of course, yes, I forgive you. But then he looked at my son in front of the whole congregation. And he said, will you forgive me for planting seeds of rejection in your heart before you were ever even born? And my son, 16, says, I forgive you. It was a powerful moment. Like, you could feel church wounds being lifted in the room. It was amazing. And so now I just feel, I I can see that the need of the church is huge right now. That we have, uh, sometimes we're known more for what we're against than what we're for. And we need to change that. We need to be famous for our love, right? Because Jesus was. And that's what we have to do. 
And so Embrace Grace started out of that. We have small groups in churches all over the nation where churches can have a 12-week curriculum. And you can have these girls that have positive pregnancy tests come to your church for support. They should be the first place they run to instead of the last because of shame and guilt. They should feel the most comfortable walking into the doors of your church instead of thinking, oh, I can't go there. They will judge me. They will shame me. There's no way. We have front row seats to miracles. We're catching them at a time that they're so desperate for hope that they're crazy enough to try church. And then they fall in love with Jesus. And a lot of times we have a baby shower as part of our thing. And that's sometimes what we use to get them in the door. We're not going to lie. And a lot of them come and say, hey, I'm only here for the free stuff, just so you know. And we're like, it's okay. But then they fall into love with Jesus. And then it's like amazing. And, you know, when you talk about grace and value and identity and worth, and do you know how priceless and and precious you are? And then when they get that, when they really get it in the bottom of their heart, that's when the things they shouldn't be doing becomes things they just don't want to do anymore. Because they fall in love with him. We can't fix all their problems, but we can point them to the one that does. That's what the church is for. I remember we had, uh, I met a pastor in Dallas once who had a daughter that had an unplanned pregnancy. And she had kind of strayed from God. And when she got pregnant, she said, Daddy, can I come back home? I want to live with you. And the father of the baby was just gone. And he said that um, she came home. And after she had the baby, she said, I really want to dedicate my baby at the church. Will you, can I do that? And the way they do it, they could pick like five families at a time. And they have them all come front. And they have the baby. And they say, will you pray? He prays a prayer over this baby, but he'll say, is there anyone here that is represents this family and their child? Will you please stand? And he would do the first one and the second one and the third one and the fourth one. And then he gets to his daughter and it's his daughter and her baby. And he says, is there anyone here that represents this woman and her child? And something amazing happened. The whole church stood up. That is the picture of what the church is. We pick each other up when we fall. And just like in the prodigal son, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, isn't this condoning sin? Maybe they deserve gently used stuff more than new. The sin. The baby is not a sin. The baby is a miracle. And just like in the prodigal son, he had two sons. One went off with prostitutes and spent all his dad's money and one stayed to serve his dad. And when that one that went with all the prostitutes, he decided he was eating leftovers from the pig trust. He's like, I'm going to go back home and maybe I can eat the leftovers from my dad's servants. And he turned home. And I love the part that says, and while he was a long way off, the father ran to him. And he had his servants put a robe on his back and a ring on his finger. And he said, son, I'm so glad you're home. You were lost and now you're found. And a lot of these girls... They are a long way off, but they've turned, they've turned home. They've turned to their heavenly father and we can be like the other brother who was like, well, that's not fair. I've been here. I've been the perfect kid and serving you and you're going to go throw him a party. And he said, son, everything that I have is already yours. So let's celebrate that your brother's home. We get to be a part of this party, like this party process of welcoming back in. Like, that's the most fun. I love parties. It's so fun. And, you know, sometimes it's like planting seeds. Like, you just don't know. I know with a lot of the girls that go through these church programs that, because a lot of them maybe have never stepped foot at all, they'll say things like, 
I thought you were going to tell me I was going to hell. I thought you were going to tell me that I screwed up my life. Like, this is what the unchurched think church is. They think it's about behavior modification when it's really about a heart transformation. And so I remember one girl we had, she was Wicca. She believed in witchcraft, and she wanted to come to Embrace Grace for the free stuff. And she didn't have a car, so I would pick her up every week. And she said, you know, I believe in witchcraft. Is that going to be a problem for me to come to your group? I'm like, no, just come. So she comes. I pick her up every week. This girl was smart. When she was young, her parents gave her every book of religion and said, you choose what you want to believe. And because of based on some all these different random things, she believed in Wigga. So she came every week. She never missed one class. And we got to, and I got to even spend more time with her because we had the car time, you know, on the way and on the way home. And one time she said, I like the way it makes me feel when I come here. And it just stuck with me. Like, I love that. And I kept praying, God, I know there's going to be this salvation experience. I just know it. You know, I'm waiting. And they get a baby shower, and it's one of the most amazing, extravagant, like, just over the top, a picture of grace baby shower. And then we end each semester with a princess day, and we crown them and tell them how much God loves them. We have a hair team and makeup team, and we just want them to know that they are so priceless so they won't stay with these guys that are abusing them. Or, you know, like, we want them to know that they're amazing. And so... She does the whole thing, never misses one class, and she never gets saved. And I remember I took it a little personal. And I'm like, God, why? Like, she did the whole thing. Are we missing something? Like, it's supposed to work. And I even spent more time with her. Why did it work the way we, I wanted it to? And he said, you're planting seeds. Do you think a girl that was believed in witchcraft would have ever stepped foot into your church if you had created a safe place for her to be there? So leave her to me. And so I said, okay, God. So a year later, she calls me totally out of the blue. Oh, by the way, she was a stripper, too, on the side. But that plays into the story here in a second. But she um, called me out of the blue a year later. Now she's like the manager of a restaurant slash gas station. She's like, Amy, you will not believe what has happened. She said, I feel like maybe God's been trying to talk to me. And I have never said anything to anyone ever, but I would think something and then it would happen. And I just was like, God, are you real? So she goes into work, parks into her spot. She says, God, if you're real, like, I don't want to just think I know you're real. Like, I want to know you're real. So you're just really going to have to step it up. Like, if you're trying to tell me something, I want you to tell me. No doubts. So she goes into her shift, works at this little restaurant. This guy comes up to her counter and says, this is going to sound really weird, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you that he's real and he loves you and he's so proud of you. And she's like, what? So she goes home, and she gets her Embrace Grace curriculum from the year before that has a salvation prayer inside. She puts a crown on her head and looks in the mirror because she wants it to be a time, a moment that she will never forget, and she prays the salvation prayer. She said she heard her baby laugh for the first time when she did it, and she's calling me freaking out, saying, guess what? I just surrendered my life to Jesus. And it's all because she liked the way we made her feel. And we're planting seeds. You guys get an opportunity. You may plant seed for one conversation. Maybe it's your cashier at the, at the grocery store. You're planting seeds everywhere you go. We are the light of the world. We are the hope of the world. Because Jesus lives in us. We are his hands and we are his feet. That girl, Brittany now, 
she ended up getting married, and she actually married the, the chef at the strip club. And we were all, he gets saved, but he's still working there because he's scared to not have a family. You know, he wants to provide for his family. And so we're just all praying, like, God, please get him another job. And, you know, just get him out of there. It's gross. And please. So then out of the blue, the Hilton calls and says, hey, we have a chef position, paying way more money. He gets a job there. I go to Gateway. Embrace Grace totally came out of Gateway, if anyone knows where that is. Pastor Robert Morris in Texas. And she now works at Gateway. Tattoos, gauges everywhere. I see her with her hands up in the air worshiping. And it's because she liked the way it made her feel. We have an opportunity to be the church. We can't leave it all to the pregnancy centers and let them have it all. Like, we have to work together. They need a safe place to be able to send these girls. They don't want them to just send, you know, like they want someone to sit with them and say, I'm with you. We are a family. You are with us. And we want them to raise their kids up in the church. We want to change this generations, the cycles. They've got to get plugged in. They've got to get fall in love with Jesus. And we have an opportunity to, be, to really connect with these girls. They're not a statistic. It's a girl with a story. And she's going to sit on the pew with you. The abortion rate is exactly the same inside the church as it is outside the church. There is no difference. They're getting them and they don't feel like they can tell the pastors because they're so ashamed. And so we have to be more open. And even having support groups like Embrace Grace or other groups, we're saying, if this happens, there is a safe place for you. We will walk alongside you. There are natural consequences to sin. It's hard to be a single mom. But it's not our job to make it worse for them. We can help them along the way. Let them fall in love with Jesus and show them how to do it. And we will change generations. Lives will be saved. We have front row seats to miracles because they are so desperate for hope that they're crazy enough to to try church. And when when they do, God just shows off. It's just beautiful to watch. And then their families get involved. And they get to come and they're like, what is my daughter going to? I don't know. And I'm going to go to this baby shower. And they're just so blown away. The people that they don't know that have never met their daughter, went out of their way to buy stuff for their daughter in their favorite color for the baby. Like, they can't even believe it. And maybe if God has grace for my daughter, maybe he has grace for me too. And then they're getting plugged in. We have a voice in this movement. As the body of Christ, it's not just the church building. We are the church. And we have to be the church outside the walls. Go connect with the pregnancy centers. Get them to come to the church. Get them plugged into support groups. Tell them they do not have to walk alone. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for joining us on the ERLC podcast. To subscribe, go to ERLC.com. And don't forget to tune in next week as we hear an important talk about parenting and spiritual warfare.